Good evening, friends. Welcome back to the Front Porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? How's your Monday going? Well, we are 11 days here from Christmas, so it's got to be getting better. It's happy holiday time, Dennis. Oh, is it really? That's that's true. That's true. I am doing something. I don't know if I mentioned this last week or the week before. Actually, last time I did this was back in March. It was not as far back as I realized. It was still in the Corona times, corona times. as I think I called it, back in the spring. Um, I am making another quilt Oh yeah, right yeah. for Christmas for my uh, newly arrived nephew. He's I think his birthday is pretty close to Christmas Day, and so he'll uh, he'll be a year old. But uh, his his dad, my brother, is a big sports guy. Our our family we grew up north of Chicago, as uh, longtime listeners will know. And our grandpa was a big sports guy. He was a Bears fan, a Bulls fan, and a Cubs fan. All the all the Chicago animal teams. And uh, so I'm making him a Chicago Cubs quilt it's very red white and blue if you know the chicago cubs colors are red white and blue it's unfortunate so you know i thought you had better <laughs> uh better taste as an uncle to make better stuff better that's choices. true so so that i could i could make somebody a, a washington football team quilt hey let's not talk about things that hurt too, each other too too soon we're, we're, too we're soon we're not talking yeah. about that the, I'm su- I'm surprised our buddy our buddy Cogswell hasn't commented on it because he is a uh, Reds fan, Cincinnati Reds, I believe. That's yeah, well, um, why he sure. he is just keeping he's keeping low. He, he's he's keeping his own counsel. He's he's staying staying quiet about yeah because he doesn't want yeah well, what I, could happen to them could happen to you. <laughs> right. Well, my my brother and his family live out in Idaho, so I'm sure that he's not following Chicago sports anymore, but you know, just sort of the legacy there. And I made my, I've, I've made these for all of my nieces and nephews. And there's only, there are only two nephews. And the first one I made an Indianapolis Colts uh, quilt, which was a little easier because their colors are blue and white. Um, But, uh, you know, his dad, my brother-in-law, is a big, is a big Colts fan. And now they're, you know, in 10, they live in Tennessee but I assume that he's still a Colts fan. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, anyway, I'm working on that. You said the 11 days thing. <laughs> well, th- this is gotta, this is officially, up, since so. this will air uh, next week, which uh, puts us at the 21st, this will be our official Christmas episode. This one is. Are you, uh, oh, yeah. you going to get lots of stuff from Santa? Are you expecting something big and amazing <laughs> down the chimney? I think a, a, a new brother... A, a house and a dad. I think that's <laughs> foreshadowing for our wait, wait. Our I was thinking, whoa, later. your mom and and dad are are having another kid. That's the first thing I thought. Where I said, good on them. Way right, to way yeah, to go. Right. <laughs> that's the yeah from the from the movie that I watched. We watched different movies. The American one. Yeah. The uh, I uh, I'm I'm doing I'm still doing some. Some people would say last minute shopping. I'm doing my first minute shopping still of Christmas mm. gifts. Um, Obviously, this sucks, but we're we're doing it through the monopoly this year. We're only doing Amazon, um, because mm-hmm. that's just the way it is. And after this year, they will have total domination of the of the world. Um, <laughs> but the uh, so I I it, it's weird. I I really enjoy shopping mm-hmm. for kids because toys and I like toys. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's you know crazy enough. I throughout my life I have done more shopping for girls, females. 
than boys. So I, I had one nephew. If, if you had asked me that question, that's what I that's what I would have guessed. Yeah. You had two daughters. So, so yeah, and no sons. And, and now uh, my fiance's daughter is. Um, right, I'm right. buying for her, so I'm still buying like you know LOL dolls and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, Sydney was pretty good. I got to buy things, you know, some games and Harry Potter things and such. But uh, ne- you, I never got to raised, buy Transformers for one, kids, Star Wars. You raised one geeky one, <laughs> right? Which uh, right. I'm I'm looking to maybe buy some uh, Grogu things. Maybe who, who knows? We'll see. She she nice. enjoys that nice. stuff. There there is a seventy dollar remote uh, a child robot that goes around. So that looks pretty pretty interesting. Oh, is it uh, is it uh, Tobor? I probably I don't. You know. give it voice commands and it turns around and comes back. You have the power. <laughs> oh, that's right. It's, You're pulling back from the old. It's robot spelled it's robot backwards. spelled backwards. Oh man, that that is a throwback to our last show, ladies and gentlemen. Go watch that one if you know what he was talking about. Um, yeah. So I, uh, I'm looking at that and getting a couple of things in, but you know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm happy uh, with giving nice things for Christmas. And I know it's not about giving, but it's it's nice and fun for me to live vicariously through others and give them little things. Sure. So sure. It's, it's always fun. Like I said, if I had, if I had, uh, I had one nephew and, and I gave him like the, all the GI Joes and transformers and stuff like that, that he could want. It was, was kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's why I've so far done sports themes for the, for the nephew quilts, because there are one, two, three, four, five nieces. Um, and two, and only two nephews. And so after like the third in a row, we were still yep. civil war reenacting when I started this and I would use all of the like, um, reproduction fabrics that had prints appropriate to the era. Right. It's a yep. different kind of like, everything's a little bit muted. Like there are some bright colors, but not like abstract shapes and stuff more like, um, like flat florals, not like 60, 1960s florals, but, um, whatever. I'm, I did three in a row like that. And then when the first nephew came, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do Colts themed. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do something, something different. Yeah. Um, that's, but that's, that's good. Sim- similar, the, uh, similar kind of thing. I'm essentially, as far as Christmas shopping, we're doing, we're doing things pretty low key. Almost none of the extended family is coming in. Um, I think my, uh, the family in Idaho, are flying out like the day after Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as I know, nobody else can make it because <laughs> everybody, ra- I think I've said this before, everybody uh, is raising and selling puppies like my parents do mm-hmm. at a smaller scale. But if the timing is not right, like they can't leave, you can't get somebody like a house sitter to watch, you know, quote unquote, newborn puppies. Uh, just not, um, right. it's not something you can, you can, you can ask somebody to do in exchange for, you know, staying at your house over the holidays. <laughs> uh, yeah. You gotta, so, gotta be home. So we're doing that. We're doing that pretty low key. My, uh, nieces and nephew from Tennessee are actually here all this week, hanging out with grandma and grandpa and some of their, uh, aunts and uncles. And so we're doing, uh, we're drawing names, right? It's what we call oh, mystery yeah. gifter or what people call secret Santa. I think that's smart we're with families. I wish, with a, I wish all families would do yeah. that. We, we started it probably 10, 15 years ago. Um, and it's it's gone back and forth. It used to be a big game where you had to try and guess who had who, which 
always to me added to the stress of it because you're trying to buy gift for somebody but you can't ask for anybody's help because it's supposed to be a secret and then people ending up end up getting gifts that they don't want that they have to return and then people's feelings are hurt it's a whole messy thing yeah um and so we didn't do it for a couple years we're doing it again this year um just with a 50 dollar limit which is high but it it started at again like 10 15 years ago it started as at a hundred dollars because before that we were buying gifts for everybody at like 15 to 20 bucks yeah and i'm like there are at the time there were nine of us including my brother-in-law and i'm like boy if we just all get for one person people would get better gifts and we'd spend less even spending a hundred dollars for one person would still be less than buying gifts for everybody um uh but anyway we're doing that and i think we're gonna do some stocking stuffer kind of stuff um, well, I need to buy that. So stuff. it's That's right. it's a little more it's a little more laid back, a little more low key. Not as low key as last year when I think everybody was gone and like maybe just just Sarah and I and and one or two other siblings were here because mom and dad went down to Tennessee. No, I don't think that's what we did. No, they went to Idaho because that's when my nephew was born. Like I knew there was something going on. <laughs> yeah, the baby was born. And so mom and dad weren't here. And so it was just really laid back low key, like a, a normal day for the most part. I think, but, I think that's so. what we're going to do in the same thing we did, like with, with Thanksgiving, same kind of way. I, I have, I don't have Sydney with me this year. So it's just, uh, mm. Shelly, Lola and myself. Um, and, um, which is, is kind of nice, but Sid will be back the, the next day. She comes back on the 26th. Um, mm. so we'll have our, we'll have like two Christmases then, but they'll just be small, you know, sure. small kind of type things and, um, you know, cookies and things, but we, you know, we decorate the house. We've got our two Christmas trees up and, um, mm -hmm. Sydney has candy canes like every day. It's, it's kind of nice. Although she shouldn't with her braces, but she does brush her teeth. So, sure, um, sure. Uh, you know, the house has got lights on it and, but you know, we, I, I had mentioned to our friend group before I had gone to the mall last week to, um, I rarely go to the mall in general anyway, but um, even in normal times, but I definitely don't go in this time, but I had to go mm -hmm. for a last minute type thing to pick, sit up some stuff for her, for her school, um, some clothes shopping. Uh, mm -hmm. So we had to hit like a couple at the same time and it had to be in the end. We couldn't wait a couple of days. It's, it's a thing, but so we went to the mall, right? And this is the time of year when it's very bustling and busy and there's no matter what day it is, they're open until like 11, 1130, sometimes even midnight at places. And there's just always a lot of people. And it was kind of, you know, I, I didn't I didn't I knew I wasn't going to get a big festive Christmas thing, but it was more sad. It, the whole place was nice and it was decorated, but it was just empty. No one there. And the stores were had their their gates down because they were closed and um, mm. just kind of, you know. I understand it. It's okay. But, you know, the holiday spirit's just a little <laughs> different this year. Um, yeah, I think I think we talked about that in our in our group chats. It's kind of like from from my perspective, and I don't know if that's true across the board, but it seems to me like, you know, shopping malls were this thing that sort of exploded in the 80s, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, started before that, but really kind of hit its peak in the 80s and early 90s and then has been in decline mm -hmm. ever since like people are people are either buying online yep. which is more convenient 
or they're buying from local, you know, small shops. And while there are probably some local businesses in shopping malls, it's much more dominated by, you know, big jewelry chains yep. and yep. the GameStops and the uh, Spencer's Gifts and JCPenney's and all the big, big corporate chain storefronts. And so you're like, if I'm not, if I'm not giving money to a local business, I might as well just buy online. So shopping malls are like in this awkward middle ground uh, where there's nobody really advocating for them, except maybe people who go there early in the morning to jog. Uh, <laughs> it, it's still it's still a nice place to for people like myself who who like to purchase like try on clothes before. Or you know, I know sure, a lot of people are doing sure. Amazon clothes stuff, and online is coming so such a long ways. But it's just it's a uh, it's just not, um, just not the the big thing that it you know it used to be where that's where everything was and everything. It's kind of like having Walmart before when it, it used to be just one thing. It was like a convenience store type thing, or or a, um, and mm-hmm. and then it became you know it sells groceries and uh, as well, and it became everything. And no longer do you need to go all these different places. The mall used to be that, and now right. we don't necessarily need as much of that anymore. So there are these big places. There are these big places that have you know too much space for what it needs to be and i think malls can still mm-hmm. be a thing but they just need to be much smaller with it than what they they are and not and be more like well i think uh, california has a lot of them they're these they're not strip malls which california has a ton of but they're like yeah we these have these facing mall area open areas where you can walk and in, yeah, in out, like wisconsin you have them malls like you would have that. them closed in though at, at some places but just smaller just like a street inside mm. type thing, right? Um, but not so much yeah. of a big, huge complex like they have in Michigan and Wisconsin. Yeah, I mean there are there are shopping districts like if you go in old downtowns. Yeah, some you know some cities still have those. Yeah, or like outlet malls are that way. Like everything's outside. Um, yeah, I, re- I I'm really I really don't like strip malls so much. Like they're just I never I can't even think the last time I ever shopped at any kind of a strip mall place. They just because they're yeah they always are just so weird and <laughs> I, I don't know what it is sure yeah I I agree they're still I, all over the place though unless, I mean they're they're everywhere unless unless there's something specific like you know I need to go to the AT and T store and they they're they're always in a strip mall <laughs> right right you're right right yeah now, nowadays they but almost have their like, own buildings that, you know I know like our our Comcast and in our, some places yeah. yeah places like that but yeah you're right it's uh so my my thing was though that. It, it's the Christmas experience is different, um, uh, primarily because, you know, I find the holidays. I've always I'm an extrovert. It's well known, um, and I enjoy the hustle and bustle of the holidays. I guess is what they call it. I enjoy going downtown and seeing everybody walk from shop to shop and stores and having all their shopping bags and and you know eating uh, gingerbread cookies and gingerbread lattes and whatever and having you know. <laughs> downtown be all decorated and stuff and now it's just kind of not right and it's right. now christmas the season is the holidays is just like what you have at your house and that's mm-hmm. kind of it now we did go light um went drove around looking at lights which that's still pretty fun mm. and, and that was fun mm-hmm. we did that the other night and i enjoy that it's it's good and the kids you know get to see the, the cool things and some people really just do an amazing job with the things they have i'm Hmm. I'm sure I'm yeah. totally blown away at some people's well how they can store the things they have I have no idea how it works yeah I remember being a kid and driving around 
uh, my grandparents lived in a in a more suburban neighborhood than we did. Mm -hmm. And so whenever we did like trick or treating or any of that stuff, we'd go to grandma and grandpa's and we would do that drive around the neighborhood and just see what people had. And there was always one or two houses that just had their whole yard full of stuff. And my, my grandparents were always like, where did they store all that stuff? They had a, they had a bunch of stuff like this also for Halloween. Yeah. Like, that's a big house, but it's not that big. Like, where are they keeping all this stuff? We have one in the neighborhood that's just like that too for Halloween and Thanksgiving mm-hmm. or and Christmas. I'm like, what? What is their garage? Has got to be ceiling to floor packed with those two holidays. It's just yeah, you know, yeah. so much. Um, I mean that, or you know, I sure hope they're not renting a storage unit for, for all year round. Yeah, for holiday decorations. But I mean, you know, some things like that they might do this like a um, mom and dad have a barn. That we just use their barn or yeah. their shit out in the yeah. country or you just, something, you know. You just haul it over there. That's that's what's happened with my family because my parents own this farm. And yeah. they're like, dad's been looking at, because um, they bought property down south, uh, further than Bloomington. Um, he's been looking at containers. Like he wants to buy one of those shipping containers and just set it, you know, on the property and move stuff down there in, in small loads. And I'm like, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's probably what what they and do. And that works. There's no like, there's no house or anything down there yet. So I, I gotta, I gotta uh, say, it, it it seems very fun. Like, who, who knows? Maybe in a couple of years, I'll do something like that. When I, I, I mean, I don't know. I have to, I, you have to figure out the storage solution type thing. But elaborate holiday decorating. Uh, yeah, I mean, it kind of seems fun. I mean, do a little. Do a little Clark Griswold. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just it's just kind of neat. I I do I say that, but I get up on the on the garage roof once every year or other, every other year, and, it, and it's when I get up there and I put everything up. It's like, man, I don't want to do anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm, I, I'm mm-hmm. done with this. But you know, who knows what, what it could be? It's it's very cool, and I I admire all of the people that do such a good job with it. I, I especially admire when like whole neighborhoods or cul-de-sacs decide they're all going to get together and do something amazing. That's, that's always super cool. There was, um, one we drove by that they had like their whole block was stuff and had a whole walkthrough back. Cause it was out in kind of in the, not in a, in a, uh, a urban, I don't know how do you say it, outside of town type neighborhood. So they had bigger yards and things and they had like a, oh, yeah. a walkway. You can go through the lights in the backyards and through the yards and stuff. Uh, unfortunately it wasn't good because, you don't want to have a bunch of people this time, but you know, re- regularly it's, right, it's, right. it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, so I admire, I admire it. And that was something that we got to do. That's it's, it's still a little bit of there. We are doing movie stuff, which is kind of nice. And you can see how people talked to each other during Christmassy time. They actually, you know, had conversations with other people. It was pretty great <laughs> back in, back in the before times. Um, so we right, got to right. watch a couple of those movies this week um, for our stuff and see what it was like in the before times. You, this week you watched uh, Miracle on 34th Street, the 1993 one? Uh, 94. 94. But close enough. And yeah. my wa- I watched um, The Family Man in 2000, I think is what it, when that came out. Yep. Uh, yep. With Nick Cage and Tay Leone. I had never heard of this one before. Um, at all. I, I'm surprised. Yeah, it's a little, um, it's a little 
a little bit out. I mean, Nicolas Cage does all kinds of stuff, but it's a little outside of his typical, you know, super weird. <laughs> right. I mean, not that all his stuff is super weird, but a lot of it is. Yeah. Um, he's he he's playing a pretty straight, basic character, and it could you know, I mean, we can get into the details of that, but I think you know they could have cast almost anybody in that role. I sure. think it does very well, but um, it's just a normal straight man kind of character. Yeah. The, I, I did a, just a, a minor about a bit of reading on this. And I guess that it, it launched at the same time that another Christmas movie came out. Like that happens occasionally where they're like competing movies with the same premise will come out at the same time. Sure. Uh, which tends to like split the audience on things right or one will do it a little bit better so the other one never gets heard of again and i and Mm -hmm. i think that's what a lot of people said happened with this one um there was another one that was just a little bit better ending or more sugary ending i guess so people tended to watch that one instead of this one more more saccharine yeah yeah i guess um i i i enjoyed it it was fun it was very it was it's um i don't know i like I like these stories. I mean, I, I give a lot of cred to um, really corny Christmas movies that are like really over the top corny. Uh, mm-hmm. But this is one of the ones I kind of like that are, I don't know, um, family oriented and kind of the, the hopeful give, sure. give you the kind of thing. I don't want to say real because there's definitely a, a bit of, you know, magic going on here for sure. Right, right. But it, everything's little... kind of the people inter people interactions are believable, right? It's it's kind of like when yeah. when you watch those, um, uh, I don't know, a, a Christmas musical shows or whatever, and they're very much like nobody acts like that, right? And and they're in a, a country of right. Moldavia the, or something, you know? With yeah, the the Hallmark kind of yeah, um, they're they're completely kind of not realistic. But the, but these were this was not like that and. I gotta say the I am not a, a Nick Cage fan in general. He's fine. He's just mm-hmm. you know Nick Cage, uh, and like you said, I thought you're right. They could have put somebody else that better fit this part, and I actually think it would have better served this movie if it was somebody different. Um, but he did a good job. Like he had pretty genuine emotions. He played the part well in all cases. Right, like when he was a yeah, it's jerk it's hard for me good. to it's hard for me to really judge this movie critically because I've seen it many many times over the years. Yeah, um, and so you know, if I try to imagine the same movie with Tom Hanks, um, oh sure, it's yeah, kind of a challenge, and it's a different it's a different movie to me because he's just I don't know. I think I mean you know Tom. Tom Hanks is the first name I could think of off the top of my head, but <clears throat> I don't know that I quite buy him as the executive, you know, that Nick Cage plays. Actually, I think Tom Hanks the, is, was a good story. example. I think that would have been good because if you think about it, if you ever watched Hook, uh, Robin Williams, you could say the same thing for him. And he starts out as a misery. That's true. Person. That's true. Um, so, you know, you, you'd be surprised. The, the, that's the, the only criticism I really had for this movie was that. Um, Nick Cage stayed as the curmudgeon for a long, for the majority of the movie. Like, and, and even when he finally starts to get where you're like, okay, he's accepted his life and he's enjoying his kids and he's getting into how this is working and he starts to see things. He has the opportunity to go back to what he was and he takes it. 
right? Like he immediately jumps on it and he, and he goes and becomes like, just transitions right back into that, uh, misery kind of guy very easily. Um, and, and that's disappointing. Um, and, and I don't see, in, I don't see the enough. And you mean, or in the middle, in the middle, I guess, cause it happens about right. two thirds in the movie. Um, yeah. And, and he, so he jumps back into that and then it's, it's a very heart wrenching scene because Taylor Leone is fantastic. Very, very perfect for the part. She, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't say perfect for the part. She played the part very, very well. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. she's believable all the way through. There's a line, I think from the best friend that says, I won't say it exactly. Every man in this town would give his left hmm to uh, be with a woman like Kate, and you're ruining it, mm-hmm. right? And and right. like she plays it perfectly. You can see that. You're like, oh yeah, she's like at all times the one that you kind of want to be with, you know, at all times. Yeah, there's there's a little bit of um, I I don't know. We're kind of in the in the details of this story here. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go ahead and hit the bell to figure out what's going <laughs> well, on. Well, well, r- real so quick, far, the, 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 the synopsis is that, in case people don't know what this is, I should have started off with that, is that the, sto- yeah. the, the overall story is that um, a guy and his college girlfriend are separated as they each go on like internships at a very critical part in their life. Uh, you, mm-hmm. It skips ahead 10 years later where he's a successful uh, businessman, president of a multinational uh, medical thing, and she is off somewhere else, but they're not together. And he's all about money, as typically is. And uh, a magic thing happens where he gets to live a, a life as if he was stayed with her, um, and he doesn't like it. But then he comes to learn the lesson of family, and then the end happens. Yeah. It's like it's a little bit like uh, it's a wonderful life mm-hmm. in reverse. In reverse. Not even, not even completely in reverse, but it's the the vision, the glimpse, as Don Cheadle calls it, the vision that he gets is positive instead of, you know, in It's Wonderful Life, it's negative. Right. Both both kind of, uh, you know, twists on the um, uh, A Christmas Carol framework. Yes, there uh, was very much in that. A little bit of everything, See, right? Seeing like your present future. Seeing your life as if something else went a different way. Yeah, just seeing your life from a different perspective and it giving you, you know, a change of heart. It's the it's the same basic structure that they use in most of those Hallmark movies where some, you know, successful business man or woman goes to a small town and get but like with none of the supernatural yeah uh uh elements of it except for maybe, you know, the old man who cuts down trees for a living is is actually Santa <laughs> right, or whatever. Right, right. But um, right, go ahead and hit the spoiler bell and we can talk about the actual yeah. things. Okay. Yeah. So I, I know, yes, it's a, it's, I'm going to use the word trope. It's the same thing that, that people use again. I, I can, mm-hmm. I, I don't mind them. I, I, I think it's neat. It's a fresh take on something, you know, that's fun and a different view of things. And even if it's got yeah, the heart at it, it's still good. It handles, I mean, there are. There are moments, like all movies, have moments where you have to suspend your disbelief. Sure, yeah, um, of course. You know he he acclimates to a life that was not his. You know, in terms of relationships and and all of those things, pretty you know pretty roughly. Yeah, right. And you get you get some time passing, but really the whole story only spans a couple of months. Right, it does. I think I think um, at. A, a couple of weeks after Valentine's Day is what happens. Yeah. yeah, and so you get the sense of like because of the age 
that they are. They're both like, I think late thirties, right? Um, maybe early forties at, at most. Um, th- at the times when he is struggling with, you know, feeling like this life is not his because he came from another place. Um, a little bit like that episode of Star Trek, uh, Inner Light where Picard learns the flute and he lives that whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's talking to his best friend and, you know, you, it seems like his best friend would be, you know, would, would notice be like this. You're not the same as you were. What's, what's up. But because of the age and because, you know, um, uh, how do I even want to say this? Like in real life relationships between people, if you're, if you're friends, mm-hmm. it depends on, you know, the friendships, because all people are, are different. But, um, you know, how much would somebody have to change for you to notice, right? That, yeah. like, changeling, scroll body snatcher kind of thing. Like, how different would your friend have to act for you to think that they're literally a different person? Right. Um, and because of the age there are, he chalks it up to a sort of midlife crisis uh, um, sort of thing. And... Um, and so mo- most of that where you're like, boy, how do people not see that he doesn't remember people's names and he doesn't know. Yeah. That, like, that, that's a pretty big suspension of disbelief there in this movie, which is it, the, the it biggest It is, one. but it's not, it's not huge to the extent right. of like Hallmark movies where you're like, totally no person I agree. would ever yeah. say that. Yeah. It's just one that, that you're like, okay, it's fine. Let's not worry about that. That's not the point of this. And right. 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 Now I will say. A uh, a uh, uh, thing that would bring knock a star off this, I guess, for me is that um, he he plays. I called him a miser or curmudgeon or money grubbing guy at the beginning, but he doesn't play it to the hilt of what I've seen so many times before. Meaning that clearly this guy likes money and likes his job, but he's not mean. Yes, he does hold yeah. he does hold a a meeting on Christmas. Okay, sure, that's that's kind of written that right. way. But if, but he doesn't play it like he's being an evil guy, and he even gives reasons for it and how he's gonna. It's not like he's hurting anyone. He seems to enjoy yeah, the, his life. They, they resist the trope. Uh, I mean, he does have no care or concern whatsoever for Christmas. Yeah, he just doesn't. It's but just not they, his thing. They avoid the Ebenezer Scrooge trope of the wealthy loner, miser, whatever, also hating people. Right. No, he didn't. Right. Yeah. Like he's not, he's not great in his conversations with Don Cheadle, but he does still care. Right. That's the whole thing. Like he yeah. insinuates himself in that, um, in that robbery when he didn't have to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, and that's good. You see that like, he's already like, you know, has some like, like, uh, a seed of a good person, right? And, in him, and, and I don't not just a complete a hole. Yeah, and and I, I never. That's, the, that's actually the, the problem is I never felt that he was an a hole. And I, I never the the problem I had when he was coming into this other life was that I didn't necessarily think his old life was bad. It was just a choice he made, right? At, at the end, he does say this thing about which was I think important that they actually put in the movie. Finally, is like he says, "I'm going to go to Aspen. I'm going to do this thing, and I'm going to be successful, and then I'm going to be on the ski thing alone." And at that point is when it's the first time that you get the idea that his old life wasn't as great as it you know it it is this one per se because he's alone. Right. But they, this show does not do that well. It is not it, it like his his old life. 
there's nothing bad about it. There's really nothing bad about it at all, except at the very end when he finally says that he was alone during that time. But he never gives that impression. Matter of fact, the entire time he's with Taylor and the whole time with his family, he just kind of wants to get back to what it was his normal life. And I kept feeling that this guy was like, I yes, he's got what you might consider rude things, like when he considers um, having an affair with the other girl. But like, in his mindset, like he's not married to this woman. He doesn't have any kind of right. thing here. It's not doing a bad guy thing. He's just not, this isn't him. And he has a different life and that's not it's a bad the, thing. Yeah. It's the thing um, they do in uh, Groundhog Day and in It's a Wonderful Life. Um, he, he resists for most of the story. For most of the story. Right. And almost as soon, like within days, I think it's it's implied, um, as soon as he gets to an acceptance point of really, really appreciating and enjoying this life, this alternate life yeah. that he's seeing, he gets sent back, right? Because at that point, he's learned the lesson. Well, well, not really. That's, that's the thing that, that was a little kind of sad, I think, about this movie was that there's that little act where... He had, he's, he's in it. He's back to the salesman. He's selling this guy tires. He's in his job. He's, he's forming a relationship with his wife and his kids. And he even has the snow scene with his daughter. And then his old boss comes back and offers him the opportunity to come back. And he takes it and he wants it. Right. So it, it was a weird thing that I wish they kind of would have cut out because it made the part in the middle. Yeah. Because well, that's like I said, that's at the end. That's like three quarters of the way into the movie. Um, and he, but, but he doesn't, he, he, he doesn't take because, well, he does. Cause he I mean, take, he, he take, he goes like Taylioni has to put on her full on, I'm a perfect woman and I will do everything and anything. Sorry. I don't mean that as a perfect woman. That, that's very sexist to say. I mean, I'm perfect woman for you and what can, you can be in your life. Um, perfect partner. Um, and I do everything with that. So much so that I will give up this perfect life for this. And he has to, it takes that for him to finally say, okay, I guess we won't, I won't go back to the, the to Wall Street and live See, in this I, mansion. I, I think of that as his last, like, like the last gasp or last straw of him, of him holding on to his, his, his present, his real life, his old life. Yeah. Or whatever you want to call that. Yeah. Like, like they go through that and he, he thinks that he, he can have it both, and that's the first time that he really makes the choice for the family instead of for himself. But uh, yeah, I, I, maybe, maybe I, I missed maybe it's, I missed that like where, where he he made it because I when, when Taylioni well, gave he do, he doesn't take the job right? he, he does he not back. but but yeah. like he is in it and he is arguing with her at that like apartment and she is almost on the verge of tears, pleading for her family and the wonderful life that they have, and she says. Like in so many different ways, again, huge props to her and, and her acting and her way she emoted and everything about this. Like she, he's like, but we can have, everyone can be envious. of us. And she's like, everyone is envious. of us. Like everything she was saying was like, her heart was just bleeding. And I was like, man, he is cutting her every way of sideways and still arguing with her. Don't argue with this woman. Right. So he says, he's, he gives it up, but I'm like, he still hadn't seen that he had that the whole time. Uh, and he does. He goes back home and, and then there's the last like 15 minutes. And that's, that's what is really quick. He's like, now nah, I'm in, I'm all in. And he tells Don Cheadle, no, cause he learned the lesson. 
No, he said he tells him no. Which which brings it brings it back around. So anyway, that that was a long way of saying like that's my one you know critique of the movie was that he held on to being what his past life was for the longest time, and I don't blame him for that because I don't think it was a bad evil person life he was trying to hold on to. He was just you know that. Um, but he did really good at acting. I I felt at the end when he was in it to win it, like he really gave a performance that he was this was his family and that he wanted it. And then when he goes after at the end, that was one of those like, yes, cliche things, whatever, but the performance was really good and I felt it and I was really happy and I really wanted it. And, and again, Taylor only just gave her big eyeballs staring of like pleading hard. And I was like, Oh, it's wonderful. And Christmas and they love each other. And this was great. <laughs> like that, that came around at yeah. the end. Um, yeah. Some people gave it criticism that it didn't have like the, full they're back with their family type thing but that was okay uh, again it's they they they're gonna have their own movie happening next yeah right yeah they're gonna they're gonna have something different yeah that's that's how life is you can't change the past you can't change the past and it, it was you cool by the way don Cheadle was great the present he, he was great in this yeah. as well he he's only in a part. couple scenes but he's great he is yeah. he's great all, all over the round and when he comes in I'll wrap this up with this talk with this, that he comes in and he plays this like kind of stereotypical gas, gas station robber guy type person. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm like, man, this does not seem like a, this seem this part seems really low brow for this actor because I know right. how good he is. Um, this is maybe this is early on in his, in his career. And then, and career. then he becomes like the, the angel person. And I'm like, Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. It, He's just this, right? That that made much more sense. He's playing, then. yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's jumping off that bridge Don, to save George. John, right? Uh, Don Cheadle is an amazing actor, and he, mm-hmm. he did well on this one. Heck, all the all the people did. They were it was really good. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for introducing me to a new movie, Christmas movie. Yep. Yep. <laughs> all right, so we move on to this one now. Yours, you'd seen the original. This is different. Like you knew the story. Yeah, yeah. So this this one was kind of hard for me. I sort of half watched it because um, I I knew everything in the story that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. I've I've watched or been in the room where the I don't know about original, but the the fifties version yep. of Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Um, and I watched the version you said was your favorite, and it doesn't change um, much. Like they don't change almost beat for beat. Right. There's very little change. I don't remember if the original had the thing with the dollar, um, the tax on there. And they don't do, in this new one, newer one, they don't do the bags full of letters oh, right. to Santa, right. at least that I didn't see. Um, yeah, so this is the 1994 Miracle on 34th Street. Um, I don't know if I need to hit spoilers for this. If you've seen the first one, you've seen this one. Yeah, if you've seen any version of this story, and if you haven't and don't want it spoiled, just jump ahead. Um, well, I guess a, I guess that some of the differences is the. It's been a while since I've seen the original, which I I belovedly remember the original too. Um, mm-hmm. Was the mom like the the like the big breadwinner person in that one, or was it switched? Yeah, no, that's it's all the same. Okay. Um, actually, my my family are watching that one upstairs right now. Yeah, um, it's the same. It's the same basic idea. You've got this uh, successful, you know, retail 
uh, a store manager or like advertising manager mother and there's no father and she has one little girl who's been raised by this very successful very um I don't know. I'll I'll just say feminist. I don't mean that derogatorily. I ju- I'm just using it as shorthand. Mm-hmm. Like successful, uh, no nonsense mother who teaches her that there's no such thing as Santa, and she's you know she talks like an adult. Um, the actress uh, Mara, what's her name? I had it in front of me. Mara Wilson mm-hmm. in this new one. I'm I'm saying new one is 25 years ago. <laughs> right, yeah, right. I don't I don't think there's been one since this, at least not, you know, one that uh is as well known that, that, yeah. that people knew about. Right. Um this one has a lot of uh what I think of as TV actors, maybe not TV but like um you know, n- no big names except maybe Richard Attenborough. Yep. Bra. Um but uh, the the little girl is the girl from Matilda, mm-hmm. and I think she was in, uh, I don't know, um, she was in a handful of things as a child, uh, a child actor. This is Doubtfire, Mrs. Doubtfire. I think, is one of the things. Um, yeah, she was a little so girl on, the, on Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah, and 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 she's great in this. She delivers these lines, and I'm like, how old is this little girl delivering these lines? Because they're she so, was so good, uh, like. It's, you know, there's a little bit of, of child actor thing, but you really buy it. It's like watching, um, it's like watching, uh, um, Ron Howard in the Andy Griffith show. Like, yeah, it's a kid acting, but it's not really, it's not really acting. It's not awkward. Like you see, you know, a lot of child actors, maybe not a lot, but when you see child actors, you're like, oh, that's they're just reading lines and an adult gave them to say like that's not uh but you you for the most part believe just as much as you know the girl in the original does the same does the same kind of performance and she did a lot of i forget her name but she did a bunch of movies too i think secret garden and uh well yeah i mean i i think at the time elizabeth perkins and dylan mcdermott were also pretty well-known actors they were i mean maybe they hadn't done a whole lot since then but i know that they were in uh, TV and film that was big in the early nineties. Yeah. 90s. yeah. Uh, so that, so they were not like Arnold Schwarzenegger t- level of fame, but they were, right. They were, right. they were still pretty well known. You, you recognized them when you came on there. So they were, they were people that you'd seen. Um, <laughs> but anyway, this is, uh, definitely, like I said, doesn't stray anymore too much. It's very Mm-mm. sugary still. Right. Yeah. And, uh, it's very there's this whole this whole courtroom sequence that I'm like oh uh, it's very I don't know the kids would call it cringy or <laughs> uh saccharine it's very like I wanted to, but I mean this is true there were there were quite a few of these um not that this really fits into that category but there were a lot of courtroom dramas in the 90s mm-hmm. a lot of the the John Grisham uh, novels were adapted into film or um, stuff like A Few Good Men or The Rainmaker. That's a John Grisham, I believe. Um, with these really, you know, like like a lawyer stands up and he gives this impassioned speech to the jury or to the judge and some music plays and the 
the crowd cheers and the judge has to yell for order and the music swells and there's this whole thing where you're like okay that's that's a that's a courtroom in a movie like that's not how <laughs> that's not how that really works like right. that this argument would not hold water in a court um yeah kind of thing but you know for a movie like this that's it's exactly what it's trying to do and it's just like the original i think for me the those things were more like i accept them more in the original because it's in the past i think i mean they're both in the past but like it's far enough in the past like it's in black and white and everything that i expect things to be a little weird and different um and more you know sort of I don't know, sort of storybook, which is not really fair because obviously life back then was no more of a storybook than it is now. Um, but just for for me, my my perception, um, I was taken out of it more by the um, there's a lot of like playful little background music. Mm -hmm. like, uh, I, yeah. I compared it to Home Alone, uh, right. which is another movie of this of this same era. Um, I think it was fine. Uh, there's nothing, nothing wrong with it. It's the same, same story, just in a different time with a little more modern um, context. Um, right. The, um, um, Richard Attenborough is great as, yep. as Santa Claus. Good Santa. I, I think. Um, I think that was those those two things were the things that made it edge out between the two of those. Is that. Maybe I, I don't know, I definitely didn't see it first, but um, one is clearly old. I guess you'd say, like, mm -hmm. say if you're in your teens, and it's black and white. Um, they're all wearing suits type stuff. And then the other one is yeah. in color and um, has, you know, the modern day Santa if you're in the 90s. Uh, so I think for me, that's that was, but the, the story was exactly the same. Not quite word exactly for word, same. but yeah. exactly they didn't change. And and that's when we talk about things that like, um, oh, if they update it for modern, do they do they need to tell a whole story or why do they do it? And why do they, re, you know, redo stuff? That, this is one of those things that like, that's a good question. They didn't change a whole lot, but it was just like superficially updated. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not like if you liked one, you had to have this new one. Yeah, right? I think probably. Um, if you were going to show one of these two movies to small children, I think this one is more accessible. There's a little more of that uh, almost slapstick kind of jingle all the way kind of comedy in it mm -hmm. um, at certain moments um, where, you know, d depending on the age and depending on the kid, uh, you know, they're going to have a hard time getting into an old black and white movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. I grew up watching White Christmas, so I had no problem, you know, watching yeah, the original right. uh, Miracle on 34th Street, like just old, you know, um, uh, like that, that stuff didn't bother me. It was just an old movie. Like I hung out with my grandparents a lot when I was a kid and we watched old movies. We watched the Andy Griffith show I mentioned earlier. Yeah, I, um, I, I agree. I, I did that too. And I think that's why I have a soft spot in my heart for him. Why? Why like this movie watching the, the original still feels good for me because it, I have that. And but you're right. Like, I think anything within like five to 10 years past our generational time, I think that might 
go out as you know or have gone out yeah, yeah. It's, it's sad i mean not everybody you know I, I but i honestly as much as i love them i still don't think my my kids you know would prefer a black and white show or a, a color show unfortunately but you know mm. Yeah, yeah, it's the same. So anyway, on this one, yeah, it's it's not doing anything new, but it's you know it's it's the, just a modern take. And I think if you like Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street uh, show and you want to watch it with your family that have never seen it before, this one's not a terrible choice to to watch because a black and white one might make them leave and pay attention to their phones <laughs> sim- simply for that reason, which is sure. unfortunate because it's sure. fantastic. Oh, yeah. Oh, goodness. Well, Christmas stuff. I still have to watch Elf. And uh, I'm going to watch... Um, there's a couple other things I, that were for Christmas things we watch with Sid. We just watched uh, the Charlie Brown thing. I got to watch Rankin Bass. Mm. We got to watch the Rankin mm-hmm. Bass uh, Rudolph still. Uh, but we got we got a week or so to, to get a couple of those in. Sid, Sidney had said, I didn't really think Elf was like the a big perennial christmas thing i was like you just watch what you're talking about it's totally it's it's not for us i think (laughs) maybe a couple of my younger siblings i think for me it came both too late for my like peak uh you know childhood middle school high school kind of uh um uh being enamored with christmas i'm not Mm -hmm, lost mm -hmm. track of that sentence there but um it came too late for that, but far enough back, uh, like before I really appreciated Will Ferrell and Zoe Deschanel, um, for for it to really catch for me. And of course, I think for my parents, it's just too, it's too new. Like <laughs> just, you know, can't, can't. mom mom will watch you know a Hallmark movie, you know Christmas movies all day. Dad doesn't really care for them, but for the movies they'll both watch, like nothing newer than. You know, um, well, who knows? Like, yeah, Family Man is probably the newest, uh, the newest Christmas movie that they would both watch and appreciate. That's not uh, popcorn yeah, so, Hallmark. So movie. you only have you only have so much bandwidth for things, and Christmas time is already full as it is with some people. Once once it fills up, you fill out it's your true. dance cards. True, there, there's no more. You don't need any more. And and I agree with that. I think for me, Elf was uh, an acquired thing. It definitely wasn't something that I. I thought was great all the time. Every time I watched it and enjoyed it and moved on, but I've just kind of like the, um, Christmas story type thing just keeps coming back around and I watch it every year and I'm like, Oh yeah. Yeah. And then now I'm starting to remember scenes, right? Like when he's eating candy Mm. for breakfast and every, every time Zoe Deschanel starts singing and her big eyes and it's like, Oh, I love this show. I think (laughs) Zoe does it for me is what it is. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So anyway, we have, uh, is there anything else we're watching this week for Christmas? No, because this is our last Christmas one. We're, we're done with Christmas on the show. Sad. Yeah, I mean, we could, if you want, we could we could watch one more. Man, I was going to have our buddy Pete recommend recommend something to us because he and his girlfriend have been watching um, all, right. all of the all of the terrible Netflix things. <laughs> There's so many. Uh, have you seen? I don't know if I want to watch this movie again, even just to subject you to it. But uh, have you seen the new Princess Switch? No. Or either of them? No. The original was like 2015, and there's a new one this year. I have not. Um, 
is it a switch on they like she's with a a pauper person and she's a princess okay well this is uh we're talking about uh princess switch with um vanessa hudgens netflix another netflix um as i call them fake england uh uh christmas movies oh no um the original is a prince and the pauper story right she meets a girl who looks just like her and of course it's the same actress again yeah uh in the sequel there are three of them (laughs) okay sure (laughs) i mean why not let's just double down right why not why not um so we could watch that i honestly haven't thought about what uh whether what kind of uh challenge we would do um well, we have that. We're we're have to we'll have to talk about it now that New Year's coming up. I know for us it's still early December, but I, I I will say this, and and if you I can't remember your experience with it, I am going to plan on watching uh, Willow with Sydney soon, mm. um, and that's a uh, one I think I one of the not to mention we've just kind of been talking about it in our friend groups here recently, but I um as I start to think of like okay if I was harsh on some movies with our our hundred movie list. Well, what one would I, if I put some things and recommend some things that I think should be on it, I, I should be sure about that. Cause I remember mm. also saying, <laughs> you know, defending Highlander for the longest time and then oh, watching that right. and realizing I made a mistake. Um, so, so I, <laughs> I probably have a couple of those. I'm watching, I'm watching, I'm, I plan on watching Willows next week so that just so that I can verify that I, it does indeed have, is a good movie. Cause I, I felt it was a, an underrated movie back in time it's written by george lucas can you believe that i feel like i heard that and steven spielberg made it Mm. so it's it's weird that it was you know i i did remember uh, it had a a sequel book written uh that george wrote with chris claremont a famed x-men writer and artist okay uh who was also really big in x-men when this book was written so him and george lucas wrote the sequel to this and it was terrible. It was almost unreadable. <laughs> I bought it and I tried so hard to read through the first like six or seven chapters. It was just that's funny. So bad. Um, and it takes place like I don't know when the 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 main baby is all grown up. So the characters are all old anyway. It's like oh, that's weird. Yeah, a terrible choice you made. You know. But, yeah, it's been a long time since I saw that. We could we could watch that again. It's a uh, um, adventure, you know. We are gonna we are gonna watch the new uh, Star Wars Lego thing. Oh, um, I watched part of it. I will say that not I, not all of it. I think we're saving that until my um, my brother is here. So that'll be. I don't think they're getting here till the twenty sixth. So we'll save that for at least another week. Okay, I, I will say this about it. Uh, it it'll make your head spin if you're not paying attention. So. You should watch it again. I've not seen it all, but what I, I put it on to have like a casual background thing, so I could be messing with something mm-hmm. else while Sydney was playing Hollow Knight and everything, and we just kind of had it on. And I thought this would be kind of entertaining. It's bite-sized Lego stuff, kid stuff. You want to pay attention, uh, but that wasn't the case. Like it starts throwing everything at you really fast, and there's time travel, and it's it's not serious in any way. But you're like. I looked up and couldn't tell what was quite going on. And then it was like so fast and so quick. And I'm like, oh my God, what is that's this? And how is that person? And what's going on? And I just couldn't, I had to pay attention. So I'm like, I got to turn this off and, mm. and actually watch it. 
right? Okay. And, and see what's... So just as a fair warning, if you just casually have it on, you're not going to get anything for it. I've, I've heard good things from it, and now I can kind of see why. Um, okay. It, it's basically taking every person, major character from all Star Wars ever, ever, and putting them <laughs> together. So in, okay. in a really Lego-y way. Um, sure. Which, which is... I, I want to watch it. I'm going to watch it again, because... Was surprised. It's it's definitely no holiday special from 1978. I can, <laughs> I can, although there is a a I think a callback. I remember quickly seeing a, a scene that they did. Of course there is. So which is which is good. Uh, hey, speaking of things to watch this week, I I uh, was going to ask you last week. I was talking about wanting to watch uh, Amazon's Wheel of Time that's coming up, and I don't know anything about Wheel of Time. Um, and I'll get to that the end of that in a minute because I know that you read the books, so I got questions. Mm-hmm. Um, but another book made movie type thing is starting this week and I'm hoping we can start watching it. Um, Stephen King's The Stand is starting. Oh yeah. Yeah. Have we, I don't know if we've talked about that on the show. I don't think I, so I went through this, uh, I don't know if this is interesting at all, but one of the podcasts I listened to, one of the hosts, um, is really into disaster dystopia Mm -hmm. fiction right books shows tv shows movies whatever and the other host on the show said how did you how did you get into this was it this i always assumed it was it was cuz of this and he told him um that he read uh the stand stephen king's the stand that's a and, 1200 pages that book yeah is. it's a big it's a big book and i have read we've talked about this before but and I use read interchangeably. I don't distinguish between whether I read a physical book, an ebook, or even listen to an audiobook. Sure, like, sure. You experience the story. Are the same. Like, yeah, they're they're not, and I acknowledge that they're not. But I'm just going to say read because it's easier sure. to say. Sure. Um, <laughs> I listened to the stand on audiobook. Um, I also listened to the entire um, Dark Tower series. Yeah, um, which was which was very strange and metaphysical and different from all. I mean, yeah, different from all the rest of his stuff. But I've read, you know, Pet Cemetery, um, Firestarter, The Shining, a couple others. Like by no means all. I mean, he has probably hundreds of books by this point. But, um, but I had not read this one, and his podcaster said it was his. You know, first that he read and he appreciated like the parts of it that were fascinating to him were not really so much about the disaster, but about what the people do afterward. Kind of a yeah. walking dead. I think that's these what, guys both watch walking that's what dead. What everybody has said about this. Yeah. They they got into it. So um it's sort of coincidentally slash ironically, I listened to this book last year and maybe even in the fall. And so when the news stuff started happening about Corona this year. I was like, didn't, didn't you guys read the shot, uh, the stand? This is a, this is a thing that <laughs> happens because, um, the setup, not even sort of setup. It like, it takes a full, like first third of the book, I think to, to clarify all this, but the, the disaster, the apocalypse that happens in the stand is a flu. They literally call it the super flu. Yeah. Um, and it's something like over 90, 90, 95% deadly. Yeah. Um, and people get it and they die within a couple days. Uh, 
Um, <clears throat> and so, and then all of that happens, and then you follow a couple of different threads of different characters on their journey from, of course, Maine, because it's Stephen King, mm -hmm. uh, to eventually getting out to, I think they're in Boulder, Colorado. Um, and it's very, I didn't realize this when I started reading it, but somebody told me, either my dad or you or somebody who had read or watched the miniseries, the old miniseries, uh, with, I want to say Kevin Bacon. I don't know if that's true. Um, and I had seen it, but I don't, I don't think he's in it. It gets um, sort of spiritual religious in the end. Yeah, I, yes. There's it's a, been a long time since I have I've yeah, seen it, a, but I think it's there's a sort of it's guardian. There's a guardian angel kind of character mm -hmm. for the good guys in the form of like she's not literally an angel, but um, a very elderly African American woman who's over a hundred. Yeah. Um, in this new series, I think is going to be played by Whoopi Goldberg. Yes. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Mother um, Abigail. Mother Abigail. And then there's also a, what's basically the devil, Satan kind of character. Yep. Trying to like finish the humans off, like, um, you know, finish finish the job, and they're you know worried that they're going to be in this battle. So that's the sort of tension while the humans are are gathered, and I mean they're all humans on both sides, but yeah. the good guys are gathered and and trying to rebuild some kind of civilization. Um, and and that's and, so, and that's the real story is that it's not it, it it's for some story people these, these it can be frustrating that they don't talk about. They don't talk about when it happens and what happens in the fall of society. It it starts when society's already fallen, not too terribly long after, but enough that yeah, the, there's the no coming back. Of, yeah, the book steps you through the process. So, like, you meet some characters that are going to die, but you mostly meet, like, the characters adjacent to them. Like, you meet... Um, uh, I can't think of her name, but there's a there's a woman, a young woman, and you meet her family, but all of them but her die. So yeah. you're meeting her family just for context, just for character building for her. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's and they, the thing Stephen King does. Like his, yeah. his some of his character building is is just amazing. Where you go through and like, yeah, you're getting a lot of stuff, but it's all pretty. Um, you know, uh, pretty palatable, pretty like you're you're along for the ride with it. And like you get what you think you have a pretty good picture of this character. And then when they do something, you're like, OK, yeah, that makes sense. And then something challenges them. You know, I'm, you know, I had several moments listening to the audiobook where I'm like, man, he really he really can develop a character in a way that connects. Yeah. Like, in a way where I get it um, and I'm not, you know, lost and going, why? Who is this guy again? I don't. I don't right. remember this name from before. Well, uh, this, this, yeah. And like uh, the thing I like, kind of compare it to is the Game of Thrones stuff is that it's, it's big. It has a sprawling cast of people true. in the book. And, and there's many things happening all at the same time and you're going back and forth and back and forth. So mm -hmm. I know for a lot of people, that's a big turnoff in, in reading and that's, and, and understanding things. And this movie and the miniseries, sorry, not movie, this, this series and the miniseries. Um, will do that. So I, I've not read a lot about this new one. I know that they do like the original one that they do a lot of flashbacks. 
So instead of like mm-hmm. going through the catastrophe, you actually are past the catastrophe and you see flashbacks to get to know about these. But okay, I, I will. It makes more sense because that's where the the bulk of the story is. Yeah, is post like you don't really need the book gives it all to you, but you don't really need the play by play of the disaster as it's happening. Right, and 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 because for the exact same reason that you said was that the the main thing Stephen King wanted to talk about and experience in, in story was what everybody loved about it was the stuff afterwards. And when we talk about, you mentioned the walking dead, uh, this is the similar thing. It's not about the, the thing it's about the people and how they interact and what happens to them and how they continue on afterwards. Yeah. Um, so, uh, by the way, it was not Kevin Bacon. It was Gary Sinise and, um, yeah. uh, Rob Lowe was in it too. Rob so. Lowe. I knew there was somebody that I knew and Gary Sinise kind of, he looks a little bit like Kevin Bacon. Sure, sure. He had that vibe um, about him. Yeah. Uh, the um, I, I always remember the guy. He's Bill something or other. He he played Tom, which is the guy that said M O O N spells moon. He's kind of the de- development challenged fella um, mm-hmm. that was very likable. He is he plays the voice of Patrick Starr on SpongeBob SquarePants too. So which I <laughs> I, I always remember those two. That's the same guy. It's like oh yeah, it makes sense. Um, but anyway, this, so I will say I want to watch it. I have not re- ever rewatched the stand after the first time watching it because it's one of those long things that sure. you go through. Just like it, when I mentioned it was a 1,200 page book, it's the same thing. It's mm-hmm. like you experience mm-hmm. it, you follow through it and then you don't want to do it again because you've kind of lived it. Right. The, the audiobook he had a prologue, well, in the version that they made into an audiobook. Um, in the prologue, he said that this edition was longer than the original, and he explains it in detail because Stephen King, um, that the original version that came out, I want to say in the seventies, cause that's where it's set. Um, it was, it was trimmed. It was edited for length only for, um, publishing purposes is what he said like the the publisher didn't want to go over a certain page count or a certain word count and so the original version was edited down and he said i'm not i'm not an author who is afraid of editing if the editing is for is in service of the story he said but the original was edited just for length so i've put that stuff back in in this in this edition yeah yeah which i thought was an interesting uh, uh, sort of thing, but yeah, it was it was pretty long. I listened to it while I was uh, working on stuff. At the so house. he he did he did that change, and he also did like when he redid the '90s um, version. He wrote some new parts for in there too. And the word is that he rewrote the ending uh, for this this one. So even if you've seen it before, the ending is going to be different. Interesting. interesting. Yeah. So. Uh, the I, ending, the ending that I heard in the audiobook was pretty abrupt. Was it not abrupt? I mean, abrupt by King Stephen King standards. Like they're in tension, 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 and then something happens, and then it's you know word travels, and then epilogue. It's, yeah, it's basically it. Like almost not quite Deus Ex Machina, but but pretty close. Right. Uh. I remember, I never read the book. I remember of the TV thing. It had a weird ending. 
Um, I can't remember the ending being necessarily likable, but okay. And I think it was one of those that had a message endings um, sure, about sure. good versus evil, kind of. And um, mm-hmm. the and it was very religious, so it was very very yeah very. I mean, and it's that's not a bad thing. That's that's kind of what the point of this is, and it's okay. Um, you just kind of. I guess all of this is preface with things I'm saying and we're talking about here is to say, I think we're going to watch it. Right. And, um, be prepared. This is saying this to myself, to you and to the listeners that if you watch it, be prepared for it to be slow. I think that's a word that we're going to probably use a lot because it's eight episodes. Um, there's a billion characters and you're going to get it flashbacks and there's going to be a lot of backstory to it. It's a 1,200 page book. That that people say could be ninety hours and not get the whole, you know, full picture of stuff. There so I can't I can't see it yeah. being the the original miniseries was a four episode show and it was already felt pretty long because of so much ground it has to cover, like right. walking from Maine to whatever and um, the things. So watching this but is one of those ones that you got to like take a breath, know what you're getting into, and I and I like the idea of. It being released on CBS All Access now. I don't know if I don't know if it's going to be dumped all at once or released once a week. Um, hmm. But CBS has a history of doing once a week things, so maybe they'll. I think that's the best way to watch this, right? I think that if probably. It, I mean, yeah. you're not going to get it's it's. Ooh, man, I mean, it's tricky because of the... Well, I mean, it's exactly like Game of Thrones, right? Like, yeah. when Game of Thrones was on for the first five, maybe six seasons, um, a story was being presented on TV that half of the audience knew, right? Half yeah. the audience knew where it was going. Like, none of us knew how it was going to end because the books still are not done, right? which is different from this. Um, anybody who read the book or watch the old miniseries is going to know where the story is going and in theory where it's going to end, maybe not how, if he changes it. Um, But yeah, I think you'll have the exact same thing we had with game of Thrones where a new episode drops and people go on Reddit and wherever and talk about it and have theories and um, uh, yeah. And you're going to get more, more hype, more uh, community and fan involvement if you do it uh, uh, weekly, and, and I, I have I have no reason to assume that they won't, because CBS is an old uh, yeah. network, and that's how they they're doing Discovery right. and Picard, and uh, right. that's that's their model. They're not Netflix. So I, I just read while we were there that it is following that 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 pattern. It's doing once a week. Yeah, I, I think for I for the reasons definitely for the reasons you said, and I'll add one more to it that um, um, fatigue won't set in. Right. Like yeah. a slow that has a show that has a long form type thing where you have to spend time with a large cast um, watching nine hours of it, where four hours of it is just learning that can probably be like people would lose everyone. Right. But if you have an hour for sure and then you can take a break. Uh, oh, also, some I want to update my statement. He's not rewriting the ending. He's writing an extra coda to the ending, like an extra tag I see, thing. So I see. so the ending will happen. But then he's kind of like going to explore what happens after that beyond that they're going to have to scour the shire yeah yeah <laughs> perfect right that they say more <laughs> of what happens there um yeah, yeah. so yeah it, it 
I'm glad that we're doing this way because that way we can experience it. The like I said, one week at a time instead of the uh, the other way of, of binging. Because I think I know myself. I would get three episodes in and be like, "This is terrible. It's taking too long. I'm done. Let's start watching something else." <laughs> so it's what happened to me with the uh, a lot of those sci-fi shows we watched in the last year. Right, uh, right. I, I got to, and I bet you those were good if you watched them one at a time. Uh, I'll close this by saying that uh, Mother Abigail, being Whoopi Goldberg, a hundred eight year old woman. Makes me feel weird because she does not feel 108 years old. Uh, I don't think she is. She's not. She's like 66, but still, I, I have a hard time seeing Whippy Goldberg is 60-some years old, almost 70. I'm I'm sure they'll age her. Up. Sure. They better because she's not that old, darn it. No, right. right. Guinan is, is, lives forever. <laughs> yeah, Elorians <laughs> live like hundreds of years. Yeah, she's going to live forever, so I don't want to hear anything different than that. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Uh, okay, so anyway, I, I did start this thing by asking about um, the wheel of time. The wheel of time. So this is one of those things I kind of lump into the um, Stephen King, not Stephen King, just because I say Stephen King because he's a prolific author that people author, a- sure. always pay attention to things. This is one of those those books that fits or book series that people are cultish with, right? Sure. And not in a bad cult, but in a way of like, we love a thing. Right. right? Like yeah. Harry Potter is a cult. That's not a there's, bad thing. It's just there's thing. nobody like it. Um, uh, it, it has very few casual fans, right? Yes. It's not, it's not Star Wars. Yes. Or, or even Star Trek. Like I think Star Trek has fewer casual fans than Star Wars does. Um, so this, uh, this series holds a weird place for me. Uh, personally, autobiographically, yeah. however you want to say that. Um, it's probably the first uh, long-form fantasy that I read post Lord of the Rings. Like, I read Lord of the Rings in college. Yeah, okay, and sure. And I read, I read Narnia, right, which is a little more uh, accessible, right? It's, they're, they're more uh, YA or, or kids- they're not really for kids. YA is probably the better word, though they didn't use the better term, though they didn't use YA back then. And it's not like people use YA derogatorily because it usually is uh, pretty. Uh, I don't know. Like it's written for teenagers. I don't know how else to describe <laughs> sure, it that sure. without without getting way into the weeds. Um, so uh, uh, friends of mine, actually, uh, my old. GM Guild Guildmaster Sean and a couple other uh, friends that I knew recommended this series to me, and they said this is good, but make sure you know it's not done. It's not. Yeah, finished. that's that's what I think has been my thing that it, it pushed me away from it. By the way, for for years, right? Yeah. Like um, this is you know similar to uh, a Game Throne or a Song of Ice and Fire, um, although not as not as dark i'd say the both authors uh uh, martin and robert jordan who wrote most of the wheel of time um both authors can be very florid like can put excessive descriptions of people and places and meals like to a fault where you're like okay i get it there are gold lamps in the room and they're they're woven tapestries depicting these scenes. I don't care. Get on with the story. <laughs> um, it's one of the things that I appreciated so much about um, 
Patrick Rothfuss in the King Killer Chronicles, although he is doing the same thing where the even in only three books, it's still not done like 10 years later. Um, that happens. It's whatever. Um, <laughs> and uh, this is a series I listened to entirely on audiobook. Um, I've read some of it uh, in ebook after the fact. Um, it gave me, this is a case where I know I said earlier that I would use like red, red and listen to interchangeably, or, like just say red for both. But um this is a series that has just a little bit of language um like tolkien but nowhere near to the extent that tolkien okay. does yeah um wait does this take this doesn't take place on earth or it takes on a different no okay no it's a it's a fully uh fantasy world okay um new map new everything like yep, middle yep. earth or westeros although middle earth i think is supposed to be maybe a little bit are but whatever um sure sure completely different world um some of there are some parallels with the like countries and and peoples um and yeah just feel free to cut me out because i could talk about this no (laughs) uh, ad nauseum and and get way in the weeds um right so it's it's very long I listened to is, it on audio. Here, how about how about I ask if I ask you a few questions, not knowing anything? Okay, sure. So, so because I know this is a thing coming out, and the, re- the reason I, I I bring this up is because, um, you know, we we had Game of Thrones, and it was a thing. Like it or not, mm-hmm. it was a kind of a phenomenon that we all experienced and enjoyed in, to some extent, uh, whatever your opinion of it was. Um, sure. And it, it ended. I think there are some of these things that um, uh, encapsulate a, a kind of an epic story. And you have it. That's what it is. This this being one of them, I think Battlestar Galactica is one of them kind of a things where you have a a big one big story that's told and then, then it's put out there. Um, yep. Uh, and this is looks to be. Uh, so we just got done talking about the stand, and while it's a mini series, this is going to be longer than a mini series. It's still kind of the same thing where you have this big story. It's told, and there it is. Um. So this one is going to be like that, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be one of our. Supposedly, they're aiming it for it to be like a next big thing, like one of those. Is it? Let's start with the simple stuff. Is it fantasy? Is it sci-fi? Is it swords and sorcery? It's, it's fantasy. It's it's more fantasy than um, than Game of Thrones. I would say. Well, not excessively. So, um, let's see. There are. There are as many, there are fewer races than Tolkien. Okay. Um, uh, by which I mean all of the people are humans. Okay. There are no elves, no dwarves. Okay. There are a race of sort of not quite giants that are that are a little bit like Ents. They're not trees, but they are something like seven eight feet tall if i if i recall okay. and again audiobook so you know fuzzy memory there and th- everything else that's not human is evil so okay. there are there are humans that are evil and there are things that this um this setting calls trollocs which are they're sort of like a combination of orcs 
and um, whatever the word is for like mixing different animals together to make different kinds of monsters like chimera kind okay. of thing they're all bi- they're all bipedal but sometimes they'll have like a hawk's head or something or they'll have hooves instead of feet okay um those are basically the grunt soldiers and then there are a couple kind of like things that are sort of like the ring wraiths in lord of the rings i'm going to just parallel to other fantasy franchises because that's the easiest way to describe stuff without getting into real real depths with that um so that's the sort of setting the the conflicts between the good side are all more game of thronesy where they're different countries and the different countries operate different ways um and are in conflict in that sense and then there are some outliers where there's a whole race of people who are, you know, desert warriors, um, sort of like the Dothraki, but without the horse part of it. Right. Um, and then there is magic. Um, but the magic is set up uh, completely, I'm going to say gendered. Maybe gendered is the wrong word for it. But um, the the symbol for the order of magic wielders throughout throughout history throughout the time of the story yeah. is like the yin yang symbol but without the two dots so it's just like okay. a drop coming down and a and a flame going up yeah. um i think i said those backwards but um and they represent the male and female side of what is called the one power it's sort of like the force <laughs> but but more more um it's slightly more um how do I want to say it not scientific but like it's it's explained more explicitly than the force right like the force is is for the most part completely mystical right you don't really know the specifics you just reach out with your feelings and and that's where it is where in this series um the the one power is comprised of elements like, you know, avatar kind of thing. And so they'll take like two of the elements are stronger on the male side and the other two are stronger on the female side. I think it's earth fire for men and, and wind water for women. Um, and they, the way it's described is they weave threads of power. So they'll take threads of wind and threads of water and weave them together. Yeah. Um, and that will accomplish some, something that they're trying to do um in the real world um there are a lot of details to that that i shouldn't get into but at the opening of the story so the the world is built on um a foundation of reincarnation right it's a time is a wheel okay um and so and so things come around and of course it takes so long takes eons uh so that people don't remember you know, there's no human memory of the time that they're living in the last time that it happened. Okay. Right? If that, if that makes sense. Okay. Um, and in the, in the opening of the story, um, the, the one power, the magic can only be wielded by women. Um, because the last time that the forces of good fought with the forces of evil or, they say the dark one 
which is, you know, the devils, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, What they had to do to trap him and his, um, they call the Forsaken, they're like his lieutenants, to to imprison them away, um, the male magic users um, created this prison and put them in, and it's all sort of metaphysical, but, and... At the point the story starts, all of these events are thousands of years in the past and are are just like um, like talismans. What's the word for something that you say just as a just as a road? It's like saying "May the force be with you" or something like oh, these, like a, mo- a, these mantras, yeah, mantra, right? Yeah, uh, that that people say. Um, what they had to do to create that prison um, tainted the male half of the one power um with evil and so when um when magic users are born or discovered who are male they have to be separated from the power or executed because it will drive them mad oh okay um and so very in depth (laughs) yeah i'm i'm getting i'm getting too much in the details of that but it, it comes out like all the way down into you know, you meet the protagonist in a small village and there are no people in this village who wield magic. Like it's a very remote, like typical Shire kind of village. Um, but all the way down to that scope, there's a little bit of conflict between male and female leadership leaning a little bit toward women. It's a weird sort of thing where it's, it's still sexist, but in kind of <laughs> reverse. Um, okay. And, you know, he started writing these books like in the early 90s. Um, and it's just a thing. And they're probably, you know, our our buddy Brian read these books as they came out and knows them all much better than I do. So he's, there are probably details here that I'm messing up. But um, that's that's the basic world building. I don't know if that helps. I, it's more <laughs> that's... detail probably than than you want or need but um, do you do you do you think that it's uh i'm assuming it's big character driven is it a uh light versus dark is it a uh like you've got clear bad guys and we're all going against them or for, is it for the uh, most part like for the, the most part is it basically the, the humans are terrible and and we're all fighting against our inner demons type thing there's there's conflict between both on both sides there's definitely the theme of um both sides have internal squabbling but what will hopefully save what will hopefully make good prevail is that the 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 evil side the bad guys have more infighting have more internal squabbling okay. where the the good guys will come together when they have to and will you know reconcile their differences so so is the driving factor like the characters i mean i know it's a weird thing to say but it's, it's not always it's the definitely I... the characters you you start with um i mean like in star wars the driving factor is that the empire is the evil empire is is uh, oppressing people in the world so the driving factor is for everyone to come together and, and fight that sometimes the stories can be the driving factor is learning these people's journeys in their life you know what i mean yeah, it's it's a little bit of both. You definitely follow characters you meet. Most of the characters you meet at the beginning will be a big deal through the whole story. Um, 
at least you know there are there are a handful of them that leave the village um and you know they're all gonna be main protagonists um and it's this kind of uh what to compare it to there's a little bit of like a ragnarok thing where yeah um you know there is a a prophesied chosen one who's sort of like revered and feared right it's this kind of like like uh what they call the last battle ragnarok is coming and then the the one is called the dragon and he's one who will save humanity but will also is also the sign of this last battle being imminent so like the people will need him but they're all terrified right Mm, yeah it's kind of right that that kind of sense and then you follow these characters through all of those things so there's a lot of character there's a lot of relationship stuff um there's a decent amount of of political um sort of drama but nowhere near to the extent of of game of thrones that does this does this have is it one story or is it many now i i heard a i read something weird on this one is that um and i don't understand it it's one of the things i want to ask you here okay. is that um it's not going to be told like a book per season and they said it's not going to be like that um it's going to be about about the world and the people and it's going to be like i said i didn't quite understand it cuz cuz I, I in game of thrones it was presented like the each season has a big a breaking point or or um mm. a, a chap or a whole chapter to it or something it, it kind of felt that way and then you start leaving you with a cliffhanger to go into the next one and then to pushing to the to a big overall story is this told this series told as like each book is its own self-contained book i know that i i i read some books series where they're like trilogies where you read um Robin yeah, Hobb like, has like has Robin a bunch Hobb of these where you stuff yeah or, where you read like three but they're in the same world with the same characters but they're a whole different Terry adventure. Discworld is this way. No, yeah. this is one hundred percent like sequential. I, my one my story. best okay. guess because I've I've been following the news on this a little bit but I haven't read that thing you said about the season. Um, the the first book in the series has just a little bit of that um that Star Wars thing where the first book could have been the only book. Oh, that's what, and yeah. It, okay. I heard that. There, there are a lot of, there are a lot of big open unanswered questions. Um, but the, some of the mythology and the world building is not quite pinned down. It's not to say that things drastically change. Um, but the, just a couple of little things like the, the first main, um, magic wielder that you meet, uh, carries a staff and sort of, um, uses it in in weaving or in casting yeah and then throughout the series you almost never see anyone um uh, wielding the one power with a weapon like that like with any kind of wand or staff or or aid. it's all just hand gestures or maybe not even hand gestures but just you know mental visualization and so you get like, like, what was that? Was that a thing? And they're like, well, no, he probably just put it in there. And then as he got into the next book, you know, tossed it out as a, as a concept. 
Um, right. And so my my guess is that they're saying we're going to get into this story and we're going to tell it. We're not necessarily going to tell the whole story of Eye of the World, which is the first book, um, in the first season, the the ah. way that Game of Thrones did. Okay. Or Game of Thrones, the show, did with Game of Thrones, the book, which Got is it. just the first book and uh, A Song of Ice and Fire. Well, I, I do you think so – I'll leave you with this last bit before we, we head off for the night. Um, in your opinion, try to hold back that you read like these 1,700 books and, <laughs> and, and stayed forever with them. Do you think this could be legitimately a an exciting thing to, for everyone to watch, that it could be something that we – you know? needs to finally have been told in on a big screen or small screen or in a long form format. Uh, I, I sure hope so. It's okay. uh, like I said, it's, it's tricky for me personally because, um, because I started it before it was finished yeah. and it probably took almost 10 years, maybe not quite, but at least like seven or eight kind of how I thought about game of Thrones as it went. I'm like, you know, you see interviews with the actors and they're like, they're a different person than they were in season one. And I'm like, so are all of us. We've been along for this journey along the way. But instead of, you know, a, a you know, eight, ten hours worth of TV show um, once a year, there were like 13 or 14 of these books, all of them at least like 27 to 33 hours long in audiobook form right like yeah an audiobook is a little bit slower than you can read or than i can read um and so i was along for th these characters journeys and their lives and the different things that happened you know when i would come back or like a new book would come out i'm like yeah i'm going back with these these characters they're like old friends i've you know been along with them for years now um and so it's hard for me to judge fairly. One thing I said when Game of Thrones was happening that made me sad for this and, and other book series is, is that it does not have nearly the amount of, uh, shall we say, adult content um, as A Song of Ice and Fire. <laughs> okay. Um, and, and so I assume the TV show will not either. Um, I hope that it can be, you know, as successful as game of thrones without that because sure yeah you know game be. of thrones had less of that as it went on but that first season boy yeah i that's... mean we were all there it was like <laughs> collaboration between george r, r. martin and a 13 year old boy was the yeah. joke that people made um, very true very true hbo right right modern hbo and and who's who's making this one amazon right uh i believe I so yeah yeah. Which um, Amazon, I don't know. It's a toss up, right? Like Amazon made the boys and Wayne. Um, but what else? I know I've watched other uh, Amazon originals. Um, stuff like uh, uh, Man in the High Castle, right? That oh, was, right. Yeah. I mean, it's a little rough kind of a story, but it's not the boys. Um, and even the boys, I don't think had a lot of explicit nudity i'm sure it had some yeah i don't remember yeah well i, I look forward to it like i said i i, I yeah. dig those i like these the big things and we've uh we've had some as i mentioned at the start of this some good series and some good runs and some stuff by some quality stuff and, and this looks to be one of those 
quality made shows that they're taking seriously and not trying to like, yeah. you know, rush it, put it all up there. And, and I, I, this is finished, right? It's over. I think you'd said that it's, mm-hmm. they, mm-hmm. they did finish it. And like game of Thrones. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so we've the, got a, the we've author, got a thing. The author passed away before finishing it, but um, he left extensive notes with his widow and uh, Brandon Sanderson, who's fairly well known, prolific fantasy author. Yeah. Uh, um, finished it. I think in, Somewhere around 2012, 2013, yeah. maybe. Right. Maybe earlier than that. I don't remember. Right. Cool. All right. We'll look for that. We'll look forward to that and kind of keep some eye out for some news when it's going to happen and, and go. And we'll have some good, yeah. Yeah. good small screen stuff to watch. I'm, I'm excited about it. All we've seen are cast lists. And they did show one, like on their Instagram thing, one like clip of video of um, the book, like a uh, a physical copy of the first book describing the inn in the in the town in the the little village that they start in, and then yeah. the camera pans up to see that inn and the big tree next to it and the and the creek the the wine spring river they call it, and that gave me the you know the good feels like probably you know watching Fellowship of the Ring back in the day and seeing the Shire like brought to life for real, and you're like. Oh, you know, not for real in a movie, but, you know, you see it like it was always a picture in your mind before and you see it and it looks pretty much just like how you imagine it. That's right. Cool, man. All right. I'm excited. Yeah. But to follow that along. That too. I think we got him. We this week we saved yeah, three lives, we'll, I think, on my little tr- tracker. Here. We'll save. I think next week we'll be done with um, season two of Mandalorian. Right. Oh yeah, yeah, and we got to we got to talk to some discovery too. I, I'm kind of caught up on that, so we'll yeah, finish think... season two of Mandalorian, and we'll do Star Trek Star Wars next week. Yeah, that's probably will be good. All right, cool. you've been listening to the Front Porch. This is episode 173. Uh, thanks as always to our friends, Geek Scholars, Movie News, and LRM Online. Uh, if you have comments or feedback or suggestions for weekly challenges for us you can reach out to us via email that address is frontporchpod at gmail.com or if you go to our website frontporchpodcast.com you can use contact forms there as well Uh, if you enjoyed the front porch please consider subscribing on all the places spotify overcast uh, apple podcast as always thanks so much for joining us until next time i'm dennis and i'm michael for the front porch. Night, everybody. See you next time.